it's been an incredible journey that you've had, but were there any other options? Or was it purely motorsport in your head? Or did you think, I could be an astronaut, I could be a postman? Like, was there anything else that interested you out there? I believe I have enough uh, driving skills to be a postman, so I could, Very quick one. <laughs> I could do this job as well, but uh, of course I really targeted to be a professional driver. At Christmas when we are talking about uh, cars all the time and, and uh, one time my mother said, okay, no motorsport tonight at Christmas. And I can tell you, the, it got so quiet. On the, on the dinner table, so my mother said, okay, forget it, this is boring, you know, <laughs> come on, and then it was full throttle again. Welcome to WRC Backstories, our exclusive World Rally Championship podcast, presented by Bex Williams. Welcome everyone to a fresh episode of WRC Backstories. As ever, it is good to have your company for our delve into the lives of people around the service park, and for today's episode those outside of it. Before we begin, how are you all doing? Everyone good? What do we think about Rally Croatia? Personally, I loved it. What a unique challenge it turned out to be. I'm not sure what expectation I had going there. I don't think I had any at all, but it was... Well, I must have, because it was vastly different from what I expected. I loved the fact that it was such a, a huge challenge for the drivers. The surface was completely unique. Rapid fire stages meant that the days were completely filled with action. It was brilliant, just what we wanted, what we needed. Looking back on it, I have to say, my driver of the event was Adrian Formo. What a brilliant WRC debut, which saw him rack up two second fastest spots and take fifth overall in the event. He's going to be in a WRC car in Portugal as well, so definitely one to watch, that is for sure. Support championship-wise, WRC 2 and 3 made for great rivalry over the weekend. Osberg triumphing in WRC 2 and Kaito Kaitanovic in WRC 3. And it was brilliant to see our juniors back in action for the first time this year, with John Armstrong scooping his first ever junior win. In no time at all, we're going to be venturing onto the gravel stages of Rally Portugal. But before we get there... For this podcast, we've looked to a man who has had over 20 years experience in the WRC and is known as a technical guru, Francois Xavier de Maison, or FX as he likes to be known. He began his career in rally with Peugeot working with Gromholm. He switched to Subaru after Peugeot's departure from the championship. He's worked with Citroen customer teams and finally with Volkswagen, heading up the technical department. He was responsible for VW's Pike's peak success with the electric IDR, and he's seen a lot over the years, created strong bonds with the WRC community, in particular Marcus Granholm and Petter Solberg, who were joint best men at his wedding. Now he moves on to the world of F1, recently appointed as the Williams team technical director, where he joins Jost Capito. I was lucky enough to catch up with FX during the first week of his brand new job with Williams. So let's catch up with FX's fascinating backstory and discover his love of the WRC. I'm really delighted to say that FX de Maison joins me now to have a chat about his life and his world, because what an incredible success story 
he has been, especially in the world of rally. Now he ventures in to the world of Formula One and a brand new challenge. But we're going to be talking a lot today about how he's got to where he's at. So first and foremost, it's time for me to say hello to FX. It's great to see you, FX. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Hello to everybody. It's yeah, it's a great pleasure to to talk to you. It's been a long time but since we are out of rally and then very happy in the, and looking forward to talk about uh, the old good days. Oh, the old, the good days, the old days and the good days. <laughs> and we have had some great times over the years, that is for sure. Now, this series of podcasts, FX, I've spoken to lots of different people. We've had drivers, we've had co-drivers, we've had engineers. We've had technical directors. We've had Malcolm Wilson come and chat about his life as well. It's very much trying to get to understand you as as a person, you know, where you've you've come from in, in terms of your background. So we're going to be going back to when, you know, you were, you were just a wee little person, little mm. FX. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> so before we get started, this is something I ask everyone, FX. If you could describe yourself in three words they don't have to be linked how would you describe your character your personality using three words can i do like marcus use my fingers (laughs) (laughs) if you want (laughs) i remember a nice end of stage answer from marcus saying it was a good day good stage today i I don't remember it (laughs) No, uh, oh, it's difficult. It's a really difficult one. Huh? Three, three words. Well, mm. for an engineer, for an engineer, that's not easy. But um, I would say uh, I'm a straight person. Um, I enjoy life. That's for sure. I like to enjoy life, and uh, I love doing uh, what uh, what I like, which is motorsport. Well, you certainly do enjoy it. I mean, you've had an exceptional career up until this point, and more is to come as well. But you know, when you were growing up, FX, you know, what was the dream when, when you were a young man, when you were, you know, in school, what was the dream for you then? Were you always really wrapped up in motorsport? Was that a big passion for you back then? Yes, I would say so, because I wanted to be a Formula One driver, like uh, most of the kids watching Formula One. And I was doing go-kart when I was, uh, when I was a kid. So, yes, I wanted to be a Formula One driver, but... Um, my dad, once I went to university, said, now I stopped paying for these bloody uh, go-karts. If you want to do motorsport, you will have to pay it for yourself. I pay for university and then it will be your choice or you'll find a way later. I finished university, I went to uh, to work and then uh, in motorsport, like I wanted, and then uh, I stayed there and I never drove a car anymore on a track since that. Wow. Never, so- ever. So how good were you at karting? Were, were, you, were you pretty special? Did you think you had the, the magic to be able to take it on further? No, I don't think so. They were no. calling me a Villeneuve, referring to the, to the dad, that uh, I will never finish a race. I was, because I had only one thing, it was just to win. So uh, I was most of the time out of the race. But uh, yeah. So it was sometimes difficult when I had to tell the, some of the drivers that uh, they should be... Uh, be more intelligent and not uh, crash uh, because I was crashing every, every nearly every race. So you were talking from experience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so your, your dad was obviously pretty sensible, wasn't he? You know, it, no, he was silly. He liked it. He was quite. Yeah, I mean, telling me that uh, I will have to pay myself. Yes, but uh, no. When I was doing go kart, he was happy with, because it was. I mean, um, I always had this mentality of just when do everything you can to win. So for sure. Uh, 
I was building the, the, the card my, by myself, the engine myself, because I liked it also. That was part of, a, for me, it was part of the game. And the, so for sure, I did not have the best go-kart, the best engine, the best tires. I always use old tires. So um, I had to compensate. And then for me, it was like Marcus would have said, ah, let's just let's try with a little bit more, more attack and uh, that will make the time. But very often it's uh, finished in the <laughs> off the track. <laughs> Sad. So it may be why I really like Marcus because uh, very often I mean it was it was like this ah don't don't worry about the car we'll compensate. <laughs> Marcus Golnar was quite the character and still yeah. is quite quite the character. We'll we'll talk a lot about him later and obviously you're working together with him. What kind of age were you then when when the go karting finished and was it just when you went off to university? Yeah, yeah eighteen. Yeah. I think 18, 19. So, you know, it went, it went for quite a few years then with you behind the wheel. Yeah, I started when I was 10 or 11 and uh, no, I did quite uh, quite many years. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to look back and see if we can find any results for, for Monsieur FX de Maison. You will have, can have a look, but uh, I think you have to really, I don't think at that, I think at that time it was only on paper. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, of course. You know, I'm... Uh... <laughs> Same for all of us. Not so young. We're, we're roughly roughly around the same age, I think. So, you know, it's, just, it's the same for all of us. Mm. So what did you go on to study at university then? Were you, were you obviously, you know, the, the job you're doing, you must have been a very intelligent student in school. Well, I don't know if intelligent was the right word. <laughs> <laughs> because I was quite, I mean, um, as I say, for me, motorsport was always uh, everything and racing was what I wanted to do. So... At school, I would only learn what you know. Um, I will need from, for the, my career. I've never been good in in, in let's say uh, foreign languages or normal. I mean French, even geography, all this sort of thing. I was yeah, mathematics, science, yes, for sure. I will. Mm. I was good, but the rest, uh, I was really crap because pff, no, no time, no no need to to spend energy on this. I was just uh, I, was, I had one goal going to to do a. Um, or mechanical engineering and that's it so i will just i was just uh, yeah working on what i need and nothing else well no that makes complete sense though and i think so many people are, are similar to you they have a dream they have a goal and everything else is well i don't need that so let, let's focus on this <laughs> instead so mechanical engineering was the degree yeah started as yeah mechanical engineering and uh, in, in, I mean, in engineering school in France, which is okay, uh, specializing uh, in cars because quite a lot of people in this school. Yeah. Uh, I did this school because some of the famous French uh, uh, motorsport engineer did this school before, so it's why I did it. Um, at that time, as I say, I wanted to work in Formula One because I really, uh, I really like Formula One uh, when I was a kid and. Uh, so uh, the only, I mean, the only French company involved in Formula One were Renault and, and and Peugeot, but as engine supplier. So I said, well, then I have to to work. I mean, I, I, if you want to be in Formula One, uh, the easiest would be to to work for Renault or Peugeot. So I did a one year, let's say, it's called master or specialization in engine development mm. in a cool called uh, NSPM. It's, I mean, it's famous school in France at that time when uh, I see, or I mean. Uh, petrol engine where we're famous now it's maybe maybe this school is not so famous anymore because <laughs> i don't know but, uh, so i did this year and then uh, after that i went i had to do the army because in france you 
you at that time you had to still to do the, the military service so um, wow i didn't yeah. realize that so you were one yeah. year in the army yes but i find a way to to not do a proper army <laughs> <laughs> okay so what did you do then <laughs> Well, at that time in France, you had the possibility to do, um, instead of 12 months uh, normal military service, you could do 16 months abroad working for a French company um, uh, and yeah, helping uh, in some way the, uh, instead of doing your military service. So it was a civil uh, military service. So I was sent by Renault to work for, uh, for them in England and uh, to be a link engineer with uh, William Storing at that time. And uh, so I started like this. So I did uh, not 16 months, yeah, I went 16 months, but uh, just doing, uh, working as a liaison engineer between uh, Renault and William Storing So what? that was my army. I did only the, the, the let's say, the, the, tra the, the training or the one month of proper army. And then I, I had to do this. So it was, was a good compromise because it's just give me the opportunity to, to enter motorsport. That couldn't have been more perfect. No, no, it was great. I mean, I was really lucky, but I've always been lucky in my life so far. So <laughs> you've always got, you've got to have a bit of luck, haven't you, in, in, yeah. in life? A lot of people will ask, well, how did this happen? How did that happen? And even to myself, sometimes people will ask me how I, you know, got into my job. And there's always an element of luck which, yeah. which comes into Definitely. everything. There really is. Uh, talk to me about the next steps then after that. You leave university and, and what happens next in the life of FX? Well, once um, I finished my, let's say, civil army, mm. um, I've been contacted by Peugeot to work for, for the F1 team as an engine, uh, engine development engineer. So I did this for, well, I'm you know, back from UK and then I started at Peugeot. Uh, F1, because for me, F1 was at that time uh, what I wanted to do, but uh, very quickly I get uh, well, a bit bored with engine development. And uh, it's, yeah. And uh, there was a job in, in Peugeot, in the touring car team, uh, to, be, uh, to be, I mean, to look after the South American uh, touring car uh, team we had there, because we, I think Peugeot sent uh, some all 406 touring car to, to Argentina to do the South American championship. So they were looking for, for an engineer to, to look after this. And I saw it uh, as a way to uh, enter the, let's say the, the, the chassis. Yeah, I mean, uh, as I say, I, I saw Formula, I mean, engine uh, development, a uh, way to, to, to get into Formula One. But uh, so once I was there, I, was, I realized, well, it's not what I, I want to do. I want to engineer a car and, uh, because at the end, I mean, uh, when you uh, when you are an engine engineer, you the engine is in some ways an accessory of the car, but it's not the car itself. And um, what I was I wanted to do at that time was engineering a car and being a race engineer. So um, I saw this opportunity going to to the touring car team, and uh, as a, as a quick way of in a shortcut to go back to well, to go to the, the car engineering. So I did this. I went to a Argentina for I spent one year in Argentina looking after the team engineering a car and, uh, and that was the very good part of my life because uh, what an experience being in yeah. Argentina for a whole year and you must have been yeah pretty young still then how old were you at that point well uh, was it uh, was 98 I think 
It was when the you know the, the France won the first the first uh, football World Cup. So well for France and so on. It was ninety eight. So I was yeah. Yeah. Nice of you to throw that in no, there. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Late, late twenties. Uh, wow, that's a brilliant experience, though. Being yeah, it was great for a whole year. I mean, yeah. it's a great country. We loved going there. I loved going there when we, we traveled. Uh, at that time, it was fantastic. I mean, uh, it was much safer maybe than now, and then it was still a country where you could do everything. I mean, driving at two hundred over two hundred uh, kph on the road was not uh, not an issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, the restriction for nothing so yeah <laughs> so that was 98 then how long before you joined the Peugeot rally side of things which what would have come in early 2000s I joined uh, well no in, in 99 because yeah. Um, yeah. end of 98 uh, well during I think 98 Peugeot took the decision to enter WRC so um and uh, they, want, they plan. They plan to start. Uh, I think it was April or May, May, '99, with Corsica Rally. So, and they needed a budget, uh, extra budget, because for sure WRC was costing more than just running uh, the 306 Maxi in a few uh, World Championship rallies. So, um, the decision made to stop uh, the touring. I mean, to close the touring car department. So, all the, and all the touring car people moved to the to the rally. So, after only one year in. In the touring car department, I was sent to the the, the rally team with no rally experience. Um, I was not really, I mean, yeah, uh, and no, zero rally. I mean, chassis experience, and then, uh, but they decided, okay, you speak English, you'll be a Marcus Grunholm engineer, and, uh, and here so we are. At that point, you had no experience, obviously, of, of engineering in rally. But how much did you know about rally? As a as a motorsport category itself, you know, had you ever been a fan? Had you ever watched any events? Well, uh, fan. I was mostly a circuit racing fan at that time because of go kart. It's, uh, and yes, rally. I was uh, spectating once or twice the Monte Carlo rally because I come from uh, uh, Alps, and then it was not too far. So with my dad, we went a few times to to see the Monte Carlo rally when it was close to, uh, to Grenoble because we were living uh, quite close from this area. So, yes, I was a fan, but uh, with no uh, no real uh, experience. But okay, I mean, uh, it's still a car and uh, I learned it. I don't know if it quickly or not, but uh, I think Marcus was really scared the first time I did a rally with him. But Obviously, you know, the relationship between you and Marcus has been a fabulous one over the years. But talk to me about that initial meeting between you. You know, th there's Marcus Gronholm, a very driven, motivated Finn, and and you, you know, fresh-faced engineer coming in with no rally experience, but a, a lot of brains behind what you're going to do. How did he react to you? What what was that like? Well, you know, Marcus and Tim. Well, Marcus is really polite, and he would uh, did not say anything. Timo was still, uh, I mean, new in the team, so he did not uh, want to say anything bad. But I think they were a bit scared. Yes, so well, if we get an engineer who has no rally experience, how can we make oh, this? It's possible. And, but, but yeah, okay, we learned together. Then it was it was nice. That's the only way. I mean, it's the best way to uh, to learn. And uh, but okay, I did. Uh, I think it was my second rally as a rally engineer when I did the first rally with Marcus. So I had a bit of experience. I did, uh, I did Corsica with, uh, with uh, Francois Delecourt. So 
learn a bit. But then, I mean, a car is still a car. Uh, it's four wheels and, uh, and the steering wheel. And, uh, so it's uh, and it was to quite, learn quickly. It was quite a car as well because it was the Peugeot 206, the pocket rocket, which had such success at the time. Uh, yeah, at the beginning, the car, the car was quite fast, but not reliable at all. And uh, I mean, the, the development phase was really, uh, really difficult. But um, once we put everything together, yeah, it was a quite good car. It's, um, well, it was designed, I think, with a it was first step in, the, let's say, in the new philosophy of uh, designing a rally car. Mm. I think it's been pushed much more now and, uh, when you see the, the latest uh, rally car. But it was, I think, the first really uh, first step of uh, new thinking and the more, you know, to um, to a circuit uh, or to a touring car philosophy uh, to yeah. design a car. I mean, what, it, obviously, it really, it, as you mentioned at the start, you know, you became a little bit bored with being an engine engineer and you wanted to be part of the whole process of creating. For sure, there is nothing else better than, you know, being testing uh, middle of nowhere, uh, uh, you know, do a rally, I mean, a rally test development test or prevent test in the middle of nowhere and developing a car and you know working with the other engineers working with the driver and then this is fantastic this is what an engineer likes i mean it's for me i mean doing this i could do this every day i mean just going and testing and playing with with all the setup option and try just to make the car faster it's for me it's not working it's just a pleasure i mean i never had the feeling really to to go to work i it's not it's not difficult for me to wake up in the morning because to work in motorsport is uh, it's fun you know absolutely I, I i personally i've been to a few tests not many and you know it is it's such a long day that you're there in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. and you've got your test road and the car is just going up down up down come in change settings up down up down change settings for about 10 hours maybe 11 hours a mm -hmm. day and you know, from from my perspective, oh gosh, that feels like a real slog because I'm not the person who's trying to make the car go quicker. I'm just trying to interview people. Mm -hmm. But you're obviously saying, you know, that that is an absolute pleasure for you, and that's something to relish. Yeah. yeah, that's. I mean, I think I missed this. I mean, well, it was a long time ago, but we could do testing in uh, in for overseas rallies, and that was just just middle of nowhere in Kenya testing and two weeks testing in Kenya, just trying, and Kenya was all about reliability. So just breaking apart, try to fix it. You know, I mean, uh, the, the factory was, uh, you know, 10 hours away from, or by plane. Huh? So you were on your own, just find a solution, fix it. That's it. That's, yeah. it's great. Yeah, that's obviously the, you know, the challenge that excites mm. you. And, and yeah. uh, t tell me about your, your highlight of the, the Peugeot years. Well, I mean, uh, I think the start was very good. We uh, we were world champion. Uh, I mean, drive. I mean, Marcus was world champion, and uh, and the two or six were manufactured champion. Oh, well, we were manufactured champion in uh, the first complete year, so complete season was 2002. So that was for sure great. Um, then, I mean, uh, I think the other team realized that okay, maybe you have to design a car in a, in a different way. So. Subaru improved a lot. Ford, when once uh, um, uh, Christian joined Ford, they made a big step, and then Citroen came and with also uh, same philosophy, and then push it even more. So that become a bit more difficult, but definitely the. I mean, I think we had three manufacturer championship, it was thousand, thousand one and two, and two drivers. So that was really. Uh, I mean, 
great for for somebody who one year before did not have any rally experience. Yeah. Nice, nice, uh, nice feeling. <laughs> so how quickly were you, how quickly did you fall in love with rally after being exposed to it? Having not had any experience in it at all before, did you think, well, this is the direction I actually want to be going in? Or was Formula One still in your mind? At that time, no, because, well, I think I started to build a good relationship with I mean, Marcus, and then, and, and for sure, the team. And then, as I say, I all this experience in the middle, I mean, it's a world championship. You are traveling all over the world. You see a lot of things. You So uh, that was uh, a fall in love with rally, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to. You know, so many people come into the sport who have no idea about what it's like, or they, they come from a circuit racing background, maybe, or they come from no motor, motorsport background. And they're addicted to it because there's something that draws you in and it's specific to rally. I think I've, I've worked in circuit racing as well, not in Formula One so much, but in touring cars, certainly. And I find it vastly different, but the entire atmosphere around it. And I think for me, it's something to do with the, the complexity of the endurance of it, having to adapt to different uh, weather conditions, changing terrain for every passing car. That, that thrills me completely to this day. I, I, I think rally to to well to to be uh, interesting by rally you need some point to to go to a rally or to be involved in a rally uh, let's say uh, of your own months. and and I was not I mean when I was a kid I was you know reading magazine where you know you had uh, 20 pages or motorsport magazine 20 pages about Formula One and maybe uh, one three pages about uh, about uh, rally and you could see Formula One on TV but not the rally so uh, I, you know I was pushed to, uh, to F1, all my interest was to F1 just because it was, you know, uh, more famous. And But once you know rally, for sure, you. it's a shame that rally does not have the same weight in in all the, the, the press than, than Formula One, because it's much more interesting. As you yeah. say, the variety, I mean, you have, I mean, if, you know, you have, let's say 12, now it's more than 12, but uh, you need to have one rally per month with different season, different condition, different surface. And... There is no rally which looks like, uh, I mean, the other one, they're all, uh, all completely different. So it's, uh, you know, in, in circuit racing, you have 14 corners. In a rally, you have 300 kilometers of stages. So it's, uh, you, you can't, you can't just, uh, it's much more complicated to, to to set up a rally car or develop a rally car than uh, Formula One. No, I mean, I, I, in I'm my opinion. The, F1, the Formula One, you know, Aero Guru will say, ah, oh, this is a crazy idiot from a, from a rally and uh, he does not understand anything about Formula One. But uh, <laughs> it's much, much more difficult for me to yeah. develop a rally car. But because we have much more input. Much more exciting as well in, in the sense for you, as, as you enjoy the challenge so much of all these different terrains and having to, to set the car up for vastly different rallies from, from, from snow to gravel to tarmac, but specific tarmac events, how, how different they are. Like Catalonia is, is different to completely different to the tarmac you find in Ireland. It, it, there's so many different things that must be from your role as, you know, a technical guru, a huge challenge to find that perfect setup for a car. And you can test and test and test and test and test until you're blue in the face. And then you get to an event maybe and actually 
it's not quite right. How do you, how did you deal with situations like that FX? That must have come up where, and we still see it to this day where uh, I mean, the perfect will so much and then it, it's not right still when you get to a rally. You know, the perfect setup does not exist. I try to explain uh, <laughs> my other big, big friend, uh, Peter, that, uh, you know, the dream perfect setup, uh, it's only in his dream and it, 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 it does not exist because as you say, I mean, you, you know, you, you start in the morning at, uh, at seven from the service park. You have to put a set of tires for a loop and the loop will end up at uh, 11 or 12. So the first stage, will, you know, if you take Monte Carlo, the first stage could be at uh, seven o'clock in the morning and then of the loop. And then, and, and you have only six tires in your car. So uh, the, the tire choice is a compromise. The setup is a compromise because you, you can't optimize the setup like you do in, in circuit racing because you know exactly uh, your 12 corner by heart. So um, it's never perfect in rally, but it has to be the less unperfect as possible to, <laughs> to win. You just need to be the less unperfect. <laughs> this is so true. Uh, you mentioned Petter there, Petter Solberg, obviously a driver that you worked with when you moved to the Subaru World Rally team and you worked with him later on when he was a, a privateer as well. And I, I think Petter and his brother Henning are probably the most famous drivers for constantly changing settings, constantly changing and trying to make things better more than maybe other drivers. Am I right in saying that FX? Uh, for sure. Huh? And, and I told, <laughs> I don't have any problem to tell it on the radio because <laughs> <laughs> they know it and they are both proud of this. <laughs> What was it like? It, obviously, it's, you had huge success with, with, with Peugeot, and I know Marcus Granholm remained and remains to this day a very good friend. Both he and Petter were best men at your wedding. Uh, exactly. So you know? they are both, uh, I mean, I mean, Petter is a fantastic uh, friend. I mean, you know, it's typically the guy you want to have as a best man for your, for your wedding. I mean, it's... There's his, always fun with better. Right. I love this <laughs> <laughs> but talk to me what talk to me about what it was like when you when you moved to Subaru and, and that whole move to Subaru to start with. How did that come about? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I left Peugeot because Peugeot was, I mean, stop rally mm. uh, at that time, and um, I had no there was no position for me in, in the Peugeot team, and uh, I think we had difficult time with Marcus at the end. Uh, the three or seven was not. Uh, the best car which we designed at Peugeot so uh, the end was was difficult and um, I think Subaru was also in a difficult uh, period uh, Pierre you know was uh, Peter's engineer and wanted to uh, to breathe a little bit to to see something <laughs> uh, Peter is a high maintenance uh, driver mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, that's clear I mean he, he I mean he's a it drained a lot of your energy just uh, with questions and, uh, and it's, I mean, it's, it's a full day of question. When you work with Peter, it's, you know, you're married to, to Peter because uh, you know, my wife always say, oh, no, Peter again. And sometimes she was answering and say, hey, Peter, look at the time. And <laughs> <laughs> How late at night was he calling oh. you? <laughs> there was no time for Solberg. <laughs> They, they live in a different time zone. They live in the Solberg Rally time zone, which which is completely uh, something uh, on their own. I mean, they are so special, but uh, <laughs> fantastic character. I mean, it's I'm really lucky to again. I say, I mean, uh, it's just luck. I mean, I work with 
the Solbergs, I worked with, uh, with Marcus, and it's, they could be actors, all of them. They're so... Uh, <laughs> You're right, they could be, they could be. Uh, how tough a time, not tough a time, but how challenging a time was it heading to Subaru? Because as you mentioned, they were having a few challenges with the car at the time. What was that? Yeah, I think it was... I mean, after two two very difficult years with uh, three or seven, then uh, I had also two difficult years with the the Subaru. Um, I think the, the well, as a, for an engineer, I mean, the base car is uh, is not the best uh, car to do a rally car. I mean, uh, yes, okay, it's a nice blue uh, and yellow uh, with yellow stripe uh, rally car, but. Uh, for fun, it's for fun. It's nice, but uh, to to make a, a a good rally car, it's uh, it's not at all the best um, the best base car. And the engine also, the engine design, the engine position are you know when 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 the well with the new wave of uh, of car. I mean rally car development and design when you when you when you start from a, a two wheel drive car and then you do a four wheel drive car, you have a a bigger advantage and um, you, you use all the advantages. I mean, the, the new WRC rules, which started uh, late uh, 90s or 90, was it 97, 98, or I'm not so sure, just uh, I think killed the, the four wheel drive base car as a rally car. So, the, like the Mitsubishi uh, Lancer, which was very uh, successful, the, the Subaru, which was very successful. Uh, uh, as, uh, I mean, it was a four-wheel drive base car, but when you want to do now a, a fast uh, WRC car, it's much better to start from, from a two-wheel drive car because the body shell will be lighter and the engine position will be better. And, and so um, I think it's really the, the, the rules which kill the, the, the Lancer and the, the Impressor. Yeah, and it so was... It, was, it was becoming impossible to fight with, with the Focus, <clears throat> the, the Xara at that time, yeah, which were based on, on lightweight, uh, smaller uh, front-wheel drive cars. So the, the, the you know, and and so that it was really difficult to make this car fast, and and, and having better pushing, like L did not help the, this time. So uh, the Japanese were always convinced now it's the best base car and, uh, we won before. We, the engine is very powerful. The engine is uh, the four. Uh, Cylinder boxer, it's a low center of gravity, but uh, it did not work anymore. No, it, it, there was no comparison, as you're saying, between yeah. those new rules coming in and the new development of yeah. those cars, which are coming from a two-wheel drive base. They're far more compact, mm. shorter wheelbase cars, and they were more dynamic. Mm. Yeah. It, it was just yeah, it's kind of like the old and the new in, in comparison. It, it's such a shame, though, because they're such, you know, the Mitsubishi and the, the Impreza, yeah. such iconic cars, you know, exactly. so loved in, in the world of rallying. It, it was a shame to see them leave and leave pretty much. I think it was the same year they left the championship, and yeah, more or less. Oh, we were yeah. we were all then, you know, mm. wondering what would happen with the championship. How could we survive with just Ford and and Citroen competing against each other? What was next for you after the Subaru? You headed to Citroen, with the... yes, I mean, well, I can, I mean, to be to be really precise with the 
the ProDrive story. I mean, I, when I when I joined at that time in ProDrive, they were talking about doing Formula One. Okay. As yeah. A, um, let's say the sort of you know this semi, not fact. I mean, not uh, customer F1, but there was a, that you could be B team and. So David was talking, I don't know if we switched team, but then there was a big plan to do a Formula One for for ProDrive. So um, I mean, the sort of deal and say, well, okay, I come to do rally for two years, but then when you do Formula One, I will, uh, I want to do, uh, I want to do the Formula One with, uh, with you. Uh, at the end, uh, this new, I mean, this rule change for Formula One did not happen. So there was no, uh, let's say, sort of customer car or, or B, B team cars or whatever. So I said, well, then I don't stay uh, because I see the car was, I mean, using the Impressa was going nowhere. Uh, they needed a big reset in them to change the, you know, the base car should have been another one and the engine should have been. Uh, so I said, well, it's no point. I mean, we can't win with this car. Uh, so uh, I decided to to leave. And then I started as a Citroën, but uh, only the customer team. I was only allowed to work for the the private customer team. I never worked for the the factory team. It's maybe because I, we've been fighting too much in the past as, between Peugeot and and Citroën. So, thanks to uh, Benoit Nogier, who was in charge of the customer team, he said, "Well, if you don't want effects in your in the, in the factory team, I take him in <laughs> for my customer. I'm sure the customer will be happy to <laughs> to benefit from his experience in uh, in WRC." So I did uh, two years with. Uh, with Citroen, I don't know what it was called at that time, but I called it customer team, and was uh, Conrad uh, Rottenbach engineer for two years. Of course, Conrad Rottenbach. Yes, I remember <laughs> and remember it well. And eventually, then obviously moving on from that to Peter Solberg, who set up. His yeah, in the meantime, I, mean, I think uh, I left ProDrive end of uh, '07, mm -hmm. so I did '08. Uh, uh, I mean, I was Conrad engineer, but I think end of 08, uh, Subaru pulled uh, out. And then at the end of 08, Peter was looking for an opportunity, an option to, um, to, uh, to raise, I mean, to, to stay in a rally and he wanted to build a I mean, private team. Mm -hmm. So he called me and said, FX, I need your help. I need a car. I need a, but he could not be a latest spec car. So, so I decided, okay, the Xara is a very good option. And, he bought some Xaras and uh, said, "Now you have to look after this car." But he said, "Yeah, but I have a, you know, a sort of contract with Citroen uh, or with Benoit Noji at that time. That uh, I mean, for for '09, I'm Conrad engineer." And uh, I said, "Okay, but no problem. We'll find uh, an engineer, and uh, but you lead the team still." And so I was yeah, from uh, from '09. I was also already working with Peter. We did '09 with the uh, with the Xara, and then uh, for 2010. Uh, he bought two, uh, two C4 and we did a full championship with a C4, Peter, uh, and a few other crazy people. We were a very small team, I think. Yeah, I mean, Kimi Raikkonen drove as well as part of the team at one point, didn't he? I yeah, think. but I think it was in, um, with the TS3. Yeah. Because with the, I mean, there, there was the Citroën customer team and then there was the Peter Solberg team. There was two different customer right. teams. Uh, I did at that um, time. I did text Petter this week to uh, to say that I was interviewing you, and um, you know any any stories from that time, any funny stories, Petter, anything you can remember. And I was expecting him to come back with you know 
technical stuff or you know success that you had but he's given me two stories and one i remember very well we were in rally finland i was sure that this one will come <laughs> well it might not be the one you're thinking i don't know <laughs> Um, uh, no. <laughs> we were in Raleigh, Finland, and Petter had just launched his very own merchandise. So you could buy Petter Solberg t-shirts. Um, what mm, that's the one I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> and they decided to, you know, obviously to, to publicize this. On the Wednesday evening before Shakedown began on Thursday, they would have a, a catwalk show in the service park. And naturally, Petter was on the catwalk and Penilla was on the catwalk and some of the PR people were on the catwalk. Oliver maybe as well. Oliver Solver yeah, was, sure was sure. uh, on the catwalk and so was a certain FX de Maison. The very shy retiring technical guru was strutting his stuff and you were strutting <laughs> FX. I remember it really well and I'm trying at this point in time to see if we can find any footage of that. How on earth did he persuade you to do that? Well, I think he, he, he came with me with some beers before, just to make sure that I would do this. So, because I would have only, only the, this with uh, if I had some alcohol uh, <laughs> in my blood. <laughs> but no, but I mean, uh, if you have to, I learned from Peter, if you do things, it's better to do it with fun. It uh, makes it much more enjoyable. So. It yes. definitely was fun to watch. It's one of my favourite <laughs> memories of you. And to be honest, I've forgotten about it until Petter reminded me. And I have pictures of it somewhere that I took at the time. But, it, you know, it, it was, it kind of summed up that whole period in Petter's life. He still wanted to compete, fiercely competitive. He had his own team that seemed to be working really well. And then this catwalk show, it just, around that team, there seemed to be this sense of, Serious competition, but also that fun edge as well. What was it like working in it? Well, I mean, it was a great pleasure for sure. And, uh, you know, Peter is is crazy with setup and everything, but he's also crazy with uh, with parting. I mean, uh, it's work hard, party hard. It's exactly the... And um, he, he likes to do it with always... I mean, for him, it's a passion and the passion is fun. And it's part of the of the thing and it's why I really like uh, like better because you you do it and then you always try to do it with a you know in a funny atmosphere and for sure we had we had difficult time I'm a very tough person normally and you know he also um, I thought he would say that uh, I make him cry uh, a few times at, at Subaru because I was hard with him and uh, but I think we we are friend friend, friend enough that I can be hard with him and and and, and very soft and and fun. So uh, I mean, it's what I call a friend. I mean, if you can't tell your friend uh, what you think, and uh, it's not a friend. This is very true. But but let's back up here. You made Petter cry. Yes, a few times. Yeah. I can't. I can't picture this. I can't imagine you making anyone cry. FX. In what way? In how? What, how did you make him cry? I mean, you know, sometimes uh, in a, in a driver and a engineer relationship, uh, uh, well, it can be difficult. Mostly with uh, with the Solbergs, huh? it's uh, you know, uh, it's 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 always a tense. I mean, it's it's a tough discussion because the Solberg will always want to push and go further, and then uh, and at some point you have to say stop. No, this is not uh, this is not possible. I mean, for many many reasons, but. Uh, 
Peter will never understand. Uh, a no, he does not understand a no. It's, uh, for him, a no means maybe. So uh, the no is a no. And uh, so when some, I mean, you have the pressure in a, in a WRC team, in a, in a world championship, it's not everything around. The, I mean, the driver is for sure a very important factor of your success, but you have a, you have to manage a complete team, and you have the. Uh, at that time, you had the Japanese, uh, you know, financing the project. You have ProDrive uh, making. I mean, uh, running the team. It, it, you have a lot of uh, actors, and uh, you, you can't do everything only for for Peter Solberg. So, uh, and sometimes you have to say no. This is not possible. And uh, a no for Peter is is really difficult to accept. So, sometimes you have to tell it twice, three times, or uh, and. And if he does not understand, I mean, yeah, I'm not the nicest uh, engineer in the world. I know that we have to be nice. I mean, a race engineer has to be nice to the driver because the psychological, um, let's say, uh, aspect of the job is very important. You know, to be a rally driver, driver 200 between trees, 200 kph, you need to... You need to be confident with uh, the car. You need to be confident with your driver, with your engineer, with the mechanic. I mean, it, it's all about confidence, and uh, um, so you you have to put them in uh, in the best condition. But um, sometimes with better, it's uh, it's impossible to <laughs> if you don't tell him no. Um, so yeah, uh, we had some frictions for sure. He's given me another story which I don't know anything about and he hasn't given me much to go on here but he said that you will know what he's talking about uh japan a helmet cable and a big fight mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> what yeah, yeah well uh, this what one is yeah. this about i have no idea no but i mean you know peter is something you know peter and his explosivity are very famous so he, you know, he wants to jump uh, on the roof of his car. He wants to jump out of the car because he wants to be, you know, if he, he in testing, for example, he will he do a run and uh, or sometimes in only a half a run and he come back and he is so excited with the result, bad or, 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 or good, that he jump out of the car and tell you, oh yeah, this is a... so. Uh, and then what he does, he just belt off. And he forgot he has an helmet with him, eh? and the helmet is uh, is linked with a proper proper wire. I mean, the intercom is a has a proper wire to to work. So many times he, he f the intercom uh, lead, and uh, so yeah, many times. And then I think in a rally he was complaining, ah yeah, my intercom did not work. I said, but yeah, but again, what happened? You you just uh, damage it with your you know getting out of the car, not uh, removing the lead. No, oh, it's not true. And so yeah. Maybe cry also for this one. It's possible. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure he must have cried for crying. Yeah, cry. I've already interviewed Petter for this podcast, so I can't ask him about that now, which is a shame because I, I really would. I should have interviewed you first, FX. That's what I should have done. Uh, so the, you know, the, the Petter Solberg privateer years were were really interesting to watch, and we saw you know Phil Mills essentially retire from from co-driving during that, Chris Patterson coming in. It kind of went on and on and then was going to come towards its natural end. When did you move on? Because my memory is a little bit hazy now towards the end of those privateer years. Well, I mean, I can explain why uh, we stopped this. Uh, 
In the end of 2010, <clears throat> there was a rule change for WRC. So they moved to the, well, I mean, for Citroën, there was the end of the C4 and they moved to the DS3 because it was a new regulation uh, based on, uh, they call it sort of S2000. So you had to, basically it was a new yeah, rule change. Engine was going from uh, two liters to 1.6. So Citroën decided not to sell <clears throat> Uh, any car because that was a brand new DS3 and they couldn't they did not have all car they could sell because the, the 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 C4 was the car for the previous year that was sold to to Peta and same for for the Xara the Xara was not running anymore so they say yes okay you can still uh, drive um, uh, the um, DS3 for us but then it will be with the not with your private team but with the uh, Citroen customer team and. FX will can't be your engineer because uh, it's too um, critical for confidentiality because uh, we don't want that uh, he has all the secret of the car and goes to another manufacturer. So I was I had no uh, no other option. So at that time, better um, so maybe ah uh, maybe when we try with Ford and but he say okay no he stick to Citroen and uh, he say well then just do a a Pikes Peak car for me instead. Stop rallying. You just give me some advice and uh, and you do a Pikes Peak car for me and we go and do Pikes Peak. So that's why I end uh, the rally in 2010 with him and uh, I was not planning to do any rally uh, in, in 2011 but just build a Pikes Peak car because I think when, uh, Peter wanted to do Pikes Peak, me too. It was, uh, we all have uh, memories, uh, the stories of uh, the Audi and the, and the Peugeot in, in Pikes Peak. So um, that was the goal. but. Uh, Beginning of 2011, uh, I mean, Volkswagen was looking uh, for an engineer to to start his uh, Israeli uh, project. So I went to Volkswagen. They let you go to one of the most successful teams we've ever seen in the WRC. <laughs> Maybe they realized it because in January 11, then I had a phone call from, uh, I think it was from Xavier Mestelon, and he said, ah, finally, maybe... Um, we could uh, we could find a way to to have you as better engineer. I said, yeah, sorry, uh, Xavier, now, but uh, now I'm talking to Volkswagen, and I think uh, I will join them. So it's not possible anymore. Wow. So. Well, but good for you. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ah, it's... Great for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. that kickstarted an incredible run over a number of years and incredible success with Volkswagen. And I remember the early days of it. You know when. Oh, Volkswagen are coming into the championship. You know, it's it's going to be this, it's going to be that. How are they going to do? What was it like, though, actually being there at the start of the project, the very start? It must have been, for you, with your love of challenge, it must have been an incredible experience. Uh, it's, you know, when you sit in your new office, or on your desk, sorry, and you, you have nothing on your desk, you just put a, a white sheet of paper and then say, okay, well, now we start. You know, you have your computer, which is empty, and uh, this is fantastic feeling yeah. yeah i think you are you don't i mean let's say i'm I'm always been lucky in my life so i was really lucky to be able to really start a project from uh, from zero this is fantastic because we had to build a build a rally team because uh, the, the Volkswagen was not uh, i mean they were doing rally red but uh, i mean it's 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 again different because just because rally is so special and there is yeah. nothing else like rally in in the world so um, we had to build a team we had to build a car and and we had time to do it. 
and and the, the funding to do it, the money to do it. Because, um, I mean, to be able to have a one year, well, let's say one year to to make a concept. Well, it was not exactly one year, but a, a small year to do a concept and one year to test. And uh, before you you start to to do the championship, it's uh, it doesn't happen so often. So, you know, I was really lucky. You, yeah, you were, and it, it, you know, it was such a successful project, as as I've mentioned many times. But when you were there at your desk, and you know, you had that blank sheet of paper, did, did they know at that point even what car it was going to be, what base model it would be? Well, uh, that was part of my interview when I, uh, I had an interview with uh, with Chris Nissen, who was the, the director at that time, and. Uh, so actually, uh, yeah. Well, maybe I. You like stories or not? Or you oh, know. I love stories. <laughs> Our listeners love stories. I was. I mean, I. I was in communication. I mean, the technical director of Volkswagen Motorsport called me at that time. He said, "Well, we want to meet you because we heard a lot uh, of good and, uh, and bad things about you, and uh, so we need to discuss because we want to enter the WRC." So oh, no problem. So. Had a meeting with him. I think it was sometime at uh, one o'clock. Uh, I don't remember the day. And, uh, but so I arrived the, the the night before to beautiful Hanova. Spent the night in a hotel, and then the morning I was say let's say then I can visit and see a bit uh, always the the city. And at eleven, I get a phone call from uh, from Chris Nissen. Say oh, hello, I'm Chris Nissen. I'm the Director of uh, Volkswagen Motorsport. I know that you have a meeting with uh, my technical director at one, but uh, can you come before? Uh, I want to talk to you. So, okay, fine. Uh, so uh, took, took a taxi, went to uh, Volkswagen Motorsport, and then we had a five-minute chat. He said, "Yes, I know you have a meeting at one, but I wanted to talk to you before." So, okay, and we started uh, basically the interview. And uh, after five minutes, uh, we said, "Okay, shake hands and." Trouble. The decision was made, and uh, said, "But I was supposed to see the technical." Ah, don't worry. It's. Uh, I'll call him later, and then I'll introduce you to to him. And uh, part of the decision, I mean, the discussion of this five-minute discussion, is a. Uh, well, I have. We are talking with uh, our marketing department. We have two options. Their preferred option is to do a rally uh, with the Beetle, for sure. For for communication, it's a. Uh, it, it will be fantastic, uh, but. Um, uh, for us, I mean, we think it's um, it's not the best base car, and uh, we would prefer to use the Polo. I say, well, for me, it's clear. If it's to do and come and uh, to do a rally car with the Beetle, I stay home. It's no point to come, and uh, this is useless. I will lose my time. And then he say, okay, deal is done. You are on board. I like people who take decision, <laughs> and that's it. It was, I mean, it's unbelievable. And then we called the technical director to the office and they say, okay, Chris said, I just employed FX. It'll be your project manager or whatever. And then, so so the, the, the car choice was easy. I, mean, I was there if it was Apollo and if it would have been a Beetle, I will never join this team. Because, <laughs> I but you know, you, you, you only learn from your experience. Because, yeah. I mean, I told you before the, the, the Subaru Impressa was a, not the right car for base car for to do um, a WRC, you know, just because of the rules, and um, and uh, well, the Beetle will have been a disaster. So I can't, I can't visualize 
a Beetle World Rally car. I just, I yeah, I would have been nice with the two uh, strips and the and the yeah, and the bonnets and the fifty three <laughs> and fifty three on the doors. Yes, for sure. Uh, painted no. gray, or, but uh, but you know, to do motorsport and and not win, it, it's no point. No, no, you, you, there's only one option for motorsport. It's winning. Otherwise, uh, you stay home and you do something else. But that's my way of thinking. I, I, it's the right way of thinking. I love your directness as well. That's just brilliant. And winning is is what Volkswagen did incredibly well. I, I think off the top of my head, it was something like 43 out of 52 events were wins, which yeah. is just astounding in terms of statistics. But then, you, you know, you had a, a great array of drivers, which were, which were part of the team as well. And I... I was particularly fascinated by the the whole development year that you had, and we saw, you know, OGA compete within that. Yeah, development. I mean, this was, I mean, again, we were very lucky to to get him. Citroen didn't want him anymore, and they uh, <laughs> have him for a complete year. I mean, uh, to drive and test for us, and also uh, brave, brave for him as well. You know, okay, I'm sure he knew that that whatever Volkswagen were going to do, whatever car they were going to build, it was going to be successful. You had an incredible budget already. You had incredible people working there. So I'm sure he knew this is going to be a great project, but brave of him to just essentially take a step out for a year and, and be competing at that lower level. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I discussed this with, uh, with Seb before, uh, because he called me and said, well, uh, it's going uh, bad with, uh, with Citroen, I will be uh, out, so uh, I have two options. I come to you, and I drive the Super 2000 next year, and uh, but I'm not so happy to do to drive a Super 2000 against WRC. I have no chance, uh, but okay. Then I will develop the new car, or I go to, to M-Sport. Well, I say, well, just go for M to M-Sport for one year, because uh, for you, it would be, uh, would be better that way. On the other hand, he said, but why do you tell me this? I mean, well, because for you, it's the best. For us, uh, I would prefer to have you, but uh, I know you. I mean, <laughs> if you, stay, you know, you one year in the, in the Super 2000 would be a difficult year for, for you and, and, and for me. <laughs> but yeah, he chose this option. It was right, uh, for sure. How, how interesting was development year FX? Talk to me about that, you know, the, the pure development year. How much work went into that? Because, you know, from the outside looking in, we were all trying to second guess how good the car would be. Where would it rate against Citroen? Where would it rate against Ford? You know, how confident were you throughout that development year that you were going to be on point? Well, I mean, the the plan we had was... was we had was to, to test on all surface, um, <clears throat> all you know, for all the rallies of the championship in the right time. Or so if the rally, uh, I mean, we were in, in various countries when you know just before or just after the rally to test, and then we were sure to test the right condition and on the on the right road. So uh, doing this uh, and with the experience we had from uh, from Seb from uh, yeah, the engineering team. I mean, we knew we will not be too far, but to be at uh, yeah, so so quickly, uh, so uh, so well, quick, it was not, uh, yeah, we did not expect it to be, uh, well, somewhere we expected it. We say we, we did everything to, to, to manage this, but uh, sometimes not everything goes according to plan, but mm. again, I'm lucky, so it did.
the Volkswagen years, I think for many people looking at them now, when you look back and you just look at the pure results, they would have gone, well, well, it was easy for them. You know, they had a lot of money. They had the best drivers. But that's it's such a throwaway line to say that. Were there difficult moments, FX, within, you know, the years that you had with the team? Uh, for sure. I mean, the, 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 OK, we had a full year of testing, but uh, testing is, is never easy. Huh? No, we had, um, well, when you develop a car, you have different phases. I mean, uh, and in rally, the first phase is to, you know, you design a car and then you have to make it reliable. I mean, it's, um, for the team, it was, um, I mean, it was a new, uh, uh, well, new series. I mean, it was, so they were used to design uh, a Dakar car. So it's big, heavy. And, and, so I came with a bit more rally philosophy. So now we have to do a lightweight car. So to push them to make it light and uh, so there, there was we had some issue uh, technical issue at the beginning and uh, and for seb it was not going quickly enough you know yeah yeah but uh, so at the moment we do the, the the first part of the year was it's reliability and then we look at the setup later and, oh yeah but the car is not fast enough. so yes this was a bit difficult too because um, i mean seb was still young and they, uh, they did not have the experience of developing a car what is uh, what is a car development you know which phase you have and then a driver just want to have everything uh, from day one, so that was uh, for sure, for sure difficult, and uh, and for sure uh, uh, for you know the German team is uh, it's a big machine, and then uh, uh, when you do rally, you need to be flexible. So to change the mentality was a bit uh, a bit complicated. So yes, there was some, uh, but. Um, Luckily, I had also Carlos. Carlos Sainz, uh, that time, was working uh, for Volkswagen, so he could help help me to explain the people. And it's easier when it's Carlos telling people, well, "Yes, it's normal. We have to go that way." Or, "Oh no, no, the car is good," and uh, mm. so it's it's a good support. So it was uh, was a great help to have Carlos huh, also with us for this in, the, in this difficult uh, moment because everything everybody is against you in that time. It's, you know, the bloody Frenchman uh, <laughs> bring you know which is uh, throwing uh, in a swimming pool uh, like this in the German uh, old-fashioned team uh, it was difficult but you learn from this what no I'm throw I'm thrown in another swimming pool and uh, <laughs> I have to swim quickly <laughs> thrown in many by the sounds of it mm -hmm. um from your own learning perspective obviously you had Willie Ramfer's technical director there from at the team. Mm -hmm. How much did were you still learning at that point? Because I, you know, everyone is still learning every day, aren't they? In 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 what they're doing. But did you find that you were learning from him as well? Well, Willie, who joined, was not the technical director when I started at uh, at, uh, at Volkswagen. It was not the one who was. Uh, I mean, who contacted me, but uh, he joined. Uh, a few months after I joined Volkswagen, and uh, well, I call him uh, now my motorsport dad. I mean, he, for sure, him. He, he gave me everything he knew. Yeah. Okay, maybe we talk too much about Formula One. It's maybe why now I'm in Formula One again, but, or properly. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, he he was a great support to. As I say, you know, German team. Uh, where you want to explain them that uh, a rally car has to be in some way a race car and not a heavy uh, tank or a Panzer. Uh, when you have a Formula One uh, 
uh, ex Formula One guy beside you, it's uh, it's easier. Yeah. Because as I say, I mean, they, they, they were used to design a, a Touareg, which is a big, big, heavy, uh, you know, tank. And then yeah. you do a, a rally car, uh, which is more, today it's, uh, it's, it's nearly a circuit car. The rally, the, the rally cars are more sophisticated than uh, touring cars. So I was for sure a big help. You mentioned your relationship with, with, with Petter earlier. When you know you moved to Volkswagen, Sebastian Ogier, who who we talked about, was still kind of early on in his career. He hadn't won a championship yet, although I think everyone knew he would eventually win a championship because he was talented. But you were there with him when he won that first championship, the next, the next. Uh, how was your relationship with him? How easy? How difficult was he to work with? How demanding was the Frenchman? Well, uh, he's very demanding for sure. But uh, I mean, you're not uh, what seven, seven times or many times? Yes, seven. Seven times world champion. Uh, if you're not uh, very demanding to everybody around you, huh? because he has only one goal: is to uh, is to win, and um, and he knows what he needs to win. Even more now, and that maybe at that time he did not know exactly. I mean, that he knew um, in himself what he had to do, but. Uh, uh, maybe not exactly or to 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 everything about developing a car that's uh i'm sure now it's it would be a different story you know this this year of development would be uh, much easier because he now he has to expand he knows what you need to be world champion you know you know what you need you know what he knows what he needs to win rallies so he can really uh, guide the team and uh, stand it at that time he had no clue but it, it's normal i mean when you are a younger younger rally driver you there is no miracle. You need to learn this, and, uh, and I think now we learn it. And uh, so, for sure, we had difficult time. I mean, uh, I mean, he did not cry like Peter because. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to ask: Did you make him cry? No, <laughs> no, it's difficult to make uh, <laughs> Seb crying. <laughs> I think I've seen it twice or twice, well, not twice, but uh, I don't think it was me. Huh? So, um, but. Uh, no, I think we have a very good relationship. It was a very professional one, and uh, I really enjoyed this time. I mean, it, it happens once in your life to be to start from the beginning and and build a team together. And I'm sure if you ask him, is you know this Volkswagen? I mean, part of his life is uh, is great also because uh, it's it's fantastic. You know, you start from uh, say a white sheet of paper, and then and, and for him to develop a car to make it like he wanted, and uh, it's all. Uh, you know, learn or to, to develop a car. I think it was very really enjoyable. As part of the team as well was uh, Yari Matti Latvala, who as a driver is um, quite a needy driver, I would say, and, and maybe a bit Petteresque in his want to change things and question everything. A very different driver to Seb. Completely uh, different. Completely I, opposite. Uh, there is one which is... <laughs> Working with Yari Matti. With the self-confidence at uh, the top and the other one with uh, self-confidence yeah. uh, too low, let's say. Or not high enough to compete with, uh, with Seb. I think it's a big difference between uh, each I other. Have, I have a little story from Yari Matti Latvala. Um, uh, he sent me this a voice note, which I'm going to play for you. Is it Mexico? Or? Uh, no. It's, ah. it's, oh, well, tell me what happened in Mexico. <laughs> Well, I think um, he, he, I don't know. I don't remember which year, but he, 
if I think he hit hit something, you know, but uh, nothing. And for a rally driver, they never hit anything. But uh, yes. it damaged the race suspension, and he keep driving the full stage. And then he finished the stage without uh, the full. Uh, the rear quarter was gone. I remember. So yeah. the wheel was uh, flying somewhere, but we had no clue where. And, and and then he came back to the service park, and uh, we had a small meeting uh, together. And uh, I think he cried at that time. It's possible, yeah. <laughs> there seems to be a theme going on here with tears. Right, hold on. <laughs> Hi, Bex. Um, it's very interesting when you were asking this uh, the story for the FX and the. I mean, the first thing comes up to my mind is 2016. We were in uh, Rally Poland. I had not been driving very well. We were Saturday afternoon and I was lying fifth overall. I had not the best feeling for the driving. Also, Osir wasn't on his best. He was sixth. And I think we had around maybe eight seconds between us. And we went to the final day and I came to the, to the engineer's office. And I was looking that uh, FX was calculating points uh, for the for the driver championship and also manufacturer championships. And he was he was putting the points uh, for the drivers championship that he was you know putting Osier on the front of me that Osier would end in the rally uh, fifth and I would end sixth. And I saw that and I got a little bit upset and I said to FX, what are you what are you doing that? You, you you mean that I'm gonna be sixth, that uh, and at the moment I'm flying fifth, and you think I can't? And I said to him that you, do you think I can't keep Osia behind me? And he said, but yeah, Yarimat, you know he's a four-time world champion. Oh, sorry, that that time three-time world champion. He's going to be the fourth-time world champion. So you know how it is. It's it's not gonna be. You know you can't you can't manage that. And um, and I said I said to FX, hey. Uh, I haven't been driving very well, but now I got really, really motivated and I can tell you and I promise you that tomorrow I am going to be in the front of <laughs> Sebastian. I'm going to be fifth in this rally. And we went to the final day and uh, it was raining very, very heavily. Uh, it was the event when when Oji, uh, sorry, when uh, Oit was supposed to win, but at the end he had the puncher and Andreas won the event. Okay, it was raining very, very heavily. And actually, we had a fight. We started to fight with uh, with with Oshier for the for the fifth place. We did a very very good day, both of us. And and I I, I drove as much as I can, and I sort of was like in um, in in uh, like uh, how would I describe it? It was like a flow uh, for me. And then at the end, I kept the fifth place. I was ahead of Osier. Osier finished sixth. Osier won the power stage. I was second in the power stage. And even we were fifth and sixth, but we were we were losing the I think the third place was only some seconds anyway. For third and fourth place would have been any more only any uh, like few seconds. I think we were half a minute behind from those third place, third and fourth. But eventually we we finished only th uh, some seconds. And we came to the finish, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I said to FX that, look, I did what I promised to you, and, and, and he started to laugh. He came to hug me, and he said, bloody hell, Yarimat, with you. Uh, you did what you, what you 
you, what you said. But at the same time, he was angry that why, why in the hell you couldn't drive like this um, for the for the first two days. Eventually, you know, you now you are fifth, and and you were probably the fastest uh, driver on on the final day. But why only now? That why you only got motivated from this? And he was same time he was laughing. It was funny moment, but he was also partly angry. And and I was satisfied because I did what I promised. But uh, it, it's one of the only one of the moments in my carry when I when I have been getting motivated for the you know fighting for the for the for the places like fifth and sixth because we. It was something that I wanted to show uh, that I can do what the FX was expecting me me not to be able to do. So it's a very very funny funny moment, and I can all he remembers it and I remember it. It's a good story. It's a good yeah. story from Yari Matti. But you know, I don't look so nice on this story, but <laughs> <laughs> no. But it, it's but, you know you you're doing your job. You're calculating mm. it out. And any sane person would have said OGA would have gone past Yari Matti Lafala. You know that that's exactly yeah. what he did. Um, but it's interesting, isn't it? The motivation, obviously, that Yari Matti felt from your from your you know kind of shrug mm. shoulders well he's going to get past you that is what spurred him on and it must have been annoying from your point of view as you say why the hell didn't he do that for the entire rally yeah well it's Yari Matti huh? it's uh, so unpredictable but as a driver as a driver I don't know unpredictable as he's the loveliest man in the circle <sighs> he's, he's the nicest guy he's too nice but that's he, the problem he's too nice you mean, he, I, you tell me that I, I'm going to change my style, Bex. I'm going to I'm going to be more aggressive. I'm I'm, I'm going to be you know more focused, more aggressive. And I, it's just not it's you, Gary Matthews. You you can't. I, but what was it like from from that perspective, knowing that you know this boy had talent and he was incredibly quick and he won rallies. But there was that that kind of missing element with Yari Matty. Was that frustrating from? From from your perspective, from the team's perspective, knowing that you had this talent, but it just couldn't quite get there. Yeah, that was for sure frustrating. But um, okay, I mean, we had a team and we had uh, three drivers, and it's. Uh, I think it was a good, I mean, uh, team. We. Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah, you need a different uh, character in your team, and uh, so yes, it was frustrating because for sure I would have loved that um, Yari Mati. Uh, would be nice if he would be, have been world champion in a, in a polo because he never he never made it and uh, I don't think he would make it now so let me uh, say well it's a satisfaction but um, yeah it's uh, it's life and it's like this I mean there are sometimes differences and uh, I really enjoy I I, I really I like uh, Yari Mati uh, I, a very I, nice person and who doesn't you, you can't find a nicest person in the service park. No, you're absolutely but, um, well. Does not make you a, a world champion. No, there, there has to be a bit of a ruthless quality about your personality to to be able to to be world champion. Completely focused. I think Gary Matty's recently written in his book, which he's released, that he had too many distractions, too many distractions in his mind, too many things going on in his head to be able to be as as focused as he could have been which maybe does then explain why it, it never happened for him yeah yeah for sure i mean he was 
and I'm always talking about these historic rally cars and this sort of thing. I mean, and I told him, I mean, yeah, but it was his life. It's like this. I mean, it's like better. Yeah. I mean, they are a bit similar in, in some way. Yeah, definitely they are. Give me your your highlights of, of working with, with Volkswagen in the WRC years. What was the, what's the standout moment for you when you look back at it, you think, well, that was the absolute highlight for me, or is it not just one, is it, is it a few moments? Well, there is one I will remember all my life is the first stage of Monte Carlo 13. When Ogier won the stage, I said, that was a big relief. So this one still, uh, still has a, and, um, and then the first win in, uh, in Sweden. Yeah. Because with the Peugeot, we also won, uh, the, the first rally we won was Sweden. After a disaster, Monte Carlo, we won Sweden. And then with the, uh, with the Volkswagen, I mean, with the Polo, we won also Sweden. And then uh, I said, well, if it, uh, the story carry on like the, the Peugeot one, we could be a good, uh, good end of the season. And, yeah, and we were world champion. So that was my two highlights. And then, yeah, uh, one, two, three in Monte Carlo is also something. Yeah. Yeah, special. Special. That that first stage though, that 2013 first stage in in Rally Monte Carlo, you know, you're sitting behind your desk back at base, and you're watching the splits coming in. Were the butterflies in in your stomach? Were you nervous? How were you feeling watching that? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, we are all human. I mean, uh, if you are not nervous at that time, it's uh, there's something not normal that you don't like your job or your. your, your... Yeah. yeah, we were all very nervous and we were all waiting. I mean, mostly because it's like, a, you know, waiting for your baby, you know, if it's a girl or a boy. Mm. Then, then, and then you want to know. It's exactly <laughs> the, the same feeling. <laughs> um, I've got a couple more things I want to talk about before I let you go. I know I've kept you for a long time now. Um, Pikes Peak. You mentioned Pikes Peak earlier on and the opportunity to do it in the early 2010 uh, 11-ish. Uh, but it, it came a bit later for you. It came with Volkswagen. It came with the electric car. Talk to me about that entire process, because that was something very, very different. Yeah, this one was another crazy, uh, when you think about it, to have done uh, this car in a so short short time. It's, uh, how, I sh went, how short a time? Well, it's nine months uh, from uh, getting the, the budget to do it and, uh, and winning the... Um, the race it was nine months so that was yeah a tough one very tough one i mean uh, i went i was i went on holiday in in, in us with my family and then uh, i just went a few days earlier because that time sven said we just we were discussing with sven and said, ah, maybe it's something we could do i said well i think if we do this with an electric car it could be a could be something quite a, i mean we will have a we can we can do an interesting i mean volkswagen was looking for electric um, motorsport or anything yeah. mm. so let's go there i knew romain dumas but not not well but as you know we were both french so we knew a bit each other so i call him i said romain can you arrange me a pass so yeah so i spend the, the race with him and then say okay well back to the factory we, we discuss we present it to the board and uh, so the race was in June, and uh, we get to go in September, and then wow. 
both say yes, but it has to be electric. First, we were thinking, ah, let's go do, do one here with an hybrid car or maybe petrol just to learn. We wanted to do the same as a, as with the rally, but they say, no, no, you know, don't learn. You just go and, and do it. And, uh, so we started again with a white sheet of paper and uh, with electric car. So we were, nobody has a, any experience of more than a 12 volt uh, battery in the team, but we learn. <laughs> it is and it is completely different beast as well you learned very very quickly over a nine month period yeah no i was well we had to build an, an aero department and um, we had to build a full carbon car so yeah, that was a, a nice challenge <laughs> it was a great i mean it's, it was nice it's I mean, definitely... this this race is something really special i mean you know I really you want go, to well, you have to go. I mean, I would recommend to any uh, motorsport fan to go there because it's it's a so fantastic atmosphere. Spectators, the the people are there. The American, I mean, the, the people in Colorado, they all. I mean, the Pikes Peak uh, race is is everything there, and it's you know you wake up at two o'clock in the morning if you have the chance to go sleeping, because normally you work on your car uh, until two o'clock, two o'clock you, you go to the mountain, you set up there and at five, five fifteen, when uh, it start to be, uh, you know, you have daylight, you, you start testing. And that's at nine, the, the road is open for, uh, for the, the tourists. So you stop at 8.30 testing and, uh, and that's, that's all the testing you do. And there is no other pike speaking in the world. So you have to test there. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's, there's nothing quite like it, so it has to be testing there. And an and amazing think, experience, an amazing result there for you guys. Yeah, well, it's um, again for this you need. Uh, I mean, we had the chance to have uh, to have Roman with us because he had the experience, and uh, you need to be uh, you need to be crazy as a driver to to drive there. I mean, rally car, rally rally driver are crazy, but uh, Pikes Peak is. Uh, is a stage because 20 kilometers is a stage distance but it's yeah. it's uh, much more dangerous than uh, because the speed is much higher and uh, drops and uh, i mean you you can't make any mistake you are out uh, so the, the driver has a very big importance in the, there okay for sure the uh, the 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 technical limits of an electric car uh, or to develop this car in uh, in so short period was also a big, uh, big, big challenge, but we made it. So yeah, it will stay somewhere in my, written in my memory. Oh gosh, absolutely. It will. I, I remember watching it on a live stream on the, on the computer, uh, watching it here and it, it sticks in mine as well. It's, it was fabulous to watch. Um, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the spectators and the American in general, they were about an electric car was uh, looking like a, uh, well, IMSA car for them, it was yeah. what they do with this bloody stupid German here. There, and there. But <laughs> it worked. If, if there are, you know, people listening right now who who do want to get into into the kind of, you know, the role that, that you have, they want to get into motorsport in a technical aspect. What kind of guidance w would you give them? You know, with, with all of your experience across, uh, you know, the, kind of the deluge into Formula One at the start, then into rally and everything that you've done within it, how would you advise people to try and even get started? 
well, first of all, it has to be a passion because the sacrifice you need to make to, well, to get there, yes, for sure, but uh, to get into motorsport, you have to study. But uh, but when you are in motorsport, uh, the, the family, uh, the sacrifice you have to do to, you know, in terms of time and then being away from your family for a long time, it's, uh, so if you don't have the passion, uh, it's complicated uh, to accept this. So that's the number one priority. For sure, you need, uh, if you want to be an engineer, you need a certain level of education, but uh, uh, you can also do it as, a, I mean, there are plenty of work in motorsport and it's not only engineering. So uh, for me, if you have a passion, uh, just go and then do everything you can. I mean, try to be involved as early as possible into, uh, you know, I, when I was a student, I started as a, uh, what do you say, apprentice or yes. in, um, in a rally team in France. So I, I had some rally experience, but a very low level. And, uh, and and you learn from all this experience. I mean, um, my career is, is, it is it's, it's what it is because I, I learned from all the mistake I did uh, in a different uh, stage of my of my career. I was, you know, I, when I left the Formula One um, team at Peugeot, it was my decision, but not only. I mean, also I've been a bit too... Uh, <laughs> Too arrogant at that time and uh, saying things that I shouldn't have should not have have said and but uh, but you learn from this mistake and then you so try as quickly as possible to be I mean the, even the go kart it uh, teach me a lot of things so uh, everything you can get to to get experience uh, it will help you to develop yourself and and to get into this uh, this business. You know, you reach the next part of your career now, and it, it's taken me over an hour to actually say congratulations on your brand new job, which is technical director at Williams F1, which is an incredible role to be, to be heading into. I know you're you're in the UK right now. You're you're in isolation. <laughs> I am yeah. in, in the COVID times that, that we live in. Uh, you've only just started the job, but uh, wow. To, to move on from obviously with Volkswagen Motorsport wrapping things up completely and and stopping I, I guess you know when that happened you were thinking what what are the next steps for me where, where do I go now um, yeah yeah for sure it was a, it was a difficult time when um, Volkswagen decided to stop all this all the um, motorsport activity it was the end of uh, even 20 end of 20 that was announced and but as I say, for me, uh, life is motorsport. Uh, uh, well, they offer me a job in, uh, in the road car department, or they offered everybody a job in, uh, in the in road car department, but uh, I would not have done the, the sacrifice to be away from my family the whole week and do a normal job. I mean, normal job, uh, not a motorsport job. So yeah. uh, so there was not an option. And uh, yeah, and just very quickly called me and say, well, I'm... Uh, Talking to Williams, uh, maybe uh, maybe there will be a job. There will be a job for you, and uh, then uh, now I'm uh, I'm in Oxfordshire and uh, waiting uh, to be released. I did my uh, uh, already second test, uh, COVID test, and if it's positive, then uh, negative. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't we don't want anything positive. <laughs> I, I will go and uh, and visit uh, visit the factory because I haven't visit. Anything, I don't know. I know. The only person, uh, the employee of Williams I know is, is Yost because I stay in his place at the moment. Yeah. So I'd like to meet the people. I mean, it's uh, for sure a great honor for me. And, uh, 
you know, I started uh, last Tuesday, so every every minute has been a, a great pleasure. And uh, there is a lot of work for sure because I may have no uh, no real experience in in Formula One, but uh, well, at least that's managing a technical team. But I think I, I start to have some experience of uh, managing in in uh, car development or motorsport technical yeah. team. So I. Um, it's a it's a huge challenge for sure. Uh, it's a huge huge step, but with work, I mean, normally you get uh, you can do a, a lot of things, and uh, some uh, steady state will uh, will do everything we can to bring Williams uh, where it should be. Because it's uh, I, I started uh, say uh, when I did my military military service, uh, I had Williams uh, was touring car at that time and on my uh, on my jacket. So it's it's nice when I. Uh, I get my team kit uh, the other day. I said, ah, just remind me, 25 years later uh, ago, and I had my first, it was my first really uh, jacket. And uh, yeah. It's going to be an interesting first year for you for you there and, you know, uh, adapting and, and seeing where things move forward in, in the creating, I'm guessing, and new stuff for next year. What What is the plan? Well, I mean, the, the, the team has been... Uh, you know there are a lot of new people coming and then it's uh they're all uh, coming from different uh, teams and then it's just uh i mean we have to learn and then make I, my, my job is to make everybody uh, working together and, uh, yeah. it's um, nearly 700 700 people working in the formula one team so you are not you're not uh, i mean not all in the technical department or not all on the me uh, it's not 700 people developing a car also building the car there's in maintenance there's maintenance but uh, it, it's quite a lot of people and uh, my job is uh, it's more like a band leader i have to make them uh, all working together and with a nice atmosphere and, and that everybody's happy and uh, and happy to 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 go to the office yeah but, uh, at the moment they are all connected uh, they all connect to a computer to <laughs> to work from home but uh, please, yeah to, so that's the biggest part it's to you know we will succeed uh, as a team and uh, so that's the, the number one priority, and we want to for sure. Uh, so I think uh, William's been uh, tense uh, for the last two or three years. So we have to change the tendency, and uh, and uh, but to be winning a Grand Prix, it will take uh, some time. But uh, we have to show uh, quickly uh, a good sign of uh, of progression. But uh, I think the, we already, you know focused on uh, on next year this year is, you, we can't do much on the cars because it's uh, they are f frozen so it's uh, all in for next year all in for next year well it's exciting times yeah it's I'm it's looking, brilliant i'm looking forward to seeing how to adapt to this uh, it's a different challenge from volkswagen because this one i mean uh, there is no white sheet of paper there is everything but you just have to uh, make everything working together that's uh, it's a nice challenge, yeah, and a big okay. honor because I'm well to get into a you know I, I would say well I'm too old now I will never never go back to Formula One because um, I didn't want to go and uh, start from the bottom of the scale and to grow up to uh, to climb up sorry to the to a, let's say senior position but to be just thrown as a technical director as a, it's a big challenge but I like this type of challenge and I'll do everything. Yeah. Then I to, to I get, wholeheartedly uh, believe you will rise to this challenge successfully as well. If anything we've seen so far, 
in your career is anything to go by, then this will be a success. I'll put well, my head. We'll do everything. I have Yost as a support, and uh, we start to build a small rally team. Into you know, Willie Willie Ramp also uh, is with us. So it's uh, I mean, you know, with it is the rally team. People I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But that's good to have people around you that you already have worked with, you know, you trust, because that exactly. is is so so important. FX, I'm going to let you go now because I've kept you a long, long time. It's been a real delight to hear about your career. Well, for me too, to go through all these nice memories, it's a, it was a great pleasure. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Thanks and a lot. Best of luck with Formula One. We'll all be keeping an eye on you. Thank you very much. Thank you. For more great World Rally Championship content, head to WRC Plus with its thousands of hours of archive footage and exclusive live programming, event review shows and extensive onboards. Special features too on some of the legends of the sport. This is all available at wrcplus.com, the digital online home of the World Rally Championship.